Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. How much weight do you think you can lift? For female competitive power lifters and strong women, that number is an ever-changing goal. And the weights they lift seem far out of reach for most of us. But it's more than just brute strength. There's rigorous conditioning and mental preparation. Today we'll talk with indigenous women who have taken up the sport of competitive lifting. We'll hear about what goes into it and how they're making their mark. That's coming up after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. For the first time in history of the state of Minnesota, off-reservation land has been returned to tribal hands. As Barbara Jean Myers reports, a ceremony to celebrate the land return took place last week. The returned land, a stretch of beach along Lake Superior's North Shore outside Grand Marais, Minnesota, was once part of a larger Native settlement known as Chippewa City. The historic occasion was celebrated with a ceremony at the Grand Portage Lodge and Casino. John Morin, a Grand Portage tribal elder, was one of the keynote speakers. I heard many stories from my mother and my aunts and uncles about growing up in Chippewa City and growing up and walking on that and running and playing on the beach that we've now gotten back. So it's a very personal day for me and a, and a very historical day for the state of Minnesota, Cook County, and the Grand Portage homeland. The celebration was also very personal for area historian, author, and Grand Portage tribal descendant, Stacy Drulard. Like John Morin, Chippewa City was home to many of Drulard's ancestors. Nishkwa Kwansing is the Ojibwe name, which means the edge of the forest or where the trees stand, which is a very, I think, beautiful name for the place. Drulard's book, Walking the Old Road, A People's History of Chippewa City in the Grand Marais Anishinaabe, helped raise awareness in the broader public about the significance of the area. Bobby Deschamps is the Grand Portage Tribal Council Chairman. To end 2022 like this for Indian country is just unbelievable. Net Lake got 27,000 acres back. Oh. Fond du Lac got Wisconsin Point back. Now Grand Portage got Chippewa City back. For National Native News, I'm Barbara Jean Myers. The Northern Cheyenne Tribe in southeastern Montana is slated to receive $52 million in federal funding to expand broadband to nearly 2,000 homes on the tribe's reservation. Aaron Bolton has more. Funding from the infrastructure bill passed by Congress and signed by President Biden earlier this year is expected to connect 1,700 homes in the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation to high-speed Internet. According to a Broadband Now report, a little over half of reservation residents have access to high-speed internet, but none of the available services are considered affordable for low-income people. The Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes and the Blackfeet Nation were both awarded nearly $75 million in grants through the same Internet for All initiative earlier this year. Roughly $3 billion of federal funding has been set aside to help tribes across the country improve broadband access. In Columbia Falls, I'm Aaron Bolton. 
In Alaska's U.S. House race, Representative Mary Peltola is still on track to win. Absentee ballots counted on Friday now give her 49 percent of the vote. She needs more than 50 percent to win, a number she's expected to reach on Wednesday when second choice ballots are added to the totals under Alaska's new system of ranked choice voting. In August, Peltola was elected to serve the remainder of the late Congressman Don Young's term, which made the Yupik from Bethel the first Alaska native to serve in Congress. In the race for a full term, the Democrat is ahead of two Republicans, former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin and Nick Begich. Two New Mexico Pueblos, O.K. Wingate and Santa Clara, recently signed an agreement with the Army Corps of Engineers to restore habitat in Española, which is located 25 miles north of Santa Fe. The Española Valley Ecosystem Restoration Project is a $100 million project to restore more than 900 acres of aquatic and riparian habitats along the Rio Grande River and its tributaries. The tribes will be working with the Army Corps Albuquerque District team. The agreement is said to be the first of its kind between the Army Corps and the Pueblos and includes a provision to greatly reduce the cost share with tribal partners. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support for law and justice-related programming provided by Hobbs, Strauss, Dean & Walker, a national law firm dedicated to promoting and defending tribal rights for nearly 40 years. More information available at HobbsStrauss.com. November is National Epilepsy Awareness Month. Did you know one in 10 people will have a seizure? Call 1-800-332-1000 to learn more. The Epilepsy Foundation supports this show. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Angela Houle became the first Indigenous woman to earn a pro card in Canada. She made it happen at a recent national strongman competition in Ontario. The sport has few female competitors and even fewer Indigenous women, but there are those who are forging their own paths. Some do it to compete against others, some lift to beat personal records and goals. But because they are so few, indigenous powerlifters and strong women are role models for others. We're speaking with indigenous weightlifting athletes today, but we also want to hear from you. Do you go to the gym? Do you have any personal weightlifting goals? You can join our conversation by calling in at 1-800-996-2848. You can also leave a post on our social media. Our handle is 1-800-99-NATIVE. We are joined today by three indigenous weightlifters, powerlifters, strong women. Uh, joining us first from Alberta, Canada is Angela Houle. She's a professional strong woman. She's a member of the Whitefish Lake First Nation. Angela, welcome to Native America Calling. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, Angela. And our next guest is joining us from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia, Zoe Raymond. She is an Aboriginal artist and powerlifter. She is Yinjabandi and Pinakura. Zoe, welcome to Native America Calling as well. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Wonderful to have you, Zoe. And our third guest joining us from Gallup, New Mexico, is Monica Chafin. She is a hospice nurse, TikTok extraordinaire, and also a powerlifter. Monica, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thank you guys for having me. I'm so honored to be here with these two other unbelievably strong women. Thank you. Absolutely, Monica. And I know you are Danae. Please feel free to further introduce yourself. Oh, thank you. So, yat e shike to shidene Monica Yunishia, Toheklini, Donne Enishle, Nakai Bashishin, Sa Yuskitne Dashache, Nakai Dashanele. Monica, thank you for that introduction. And let's go ahead and start with Angela. Again, Angela is joining us from Alberta, Canada. So, Angela, you earned a pro card. You are a strong woman. Please start us off. What exactly does a person need to do to qualify as as a strong woman? And what is a pro card? A strong woman competitor? Um, Well, you have to. uh, There's a lot to actually do to go through with process it's I started out as um, an amateur athlete and um, I worked my way up and how you get invited to these bigger shows is you have to place uh, top three so I started strongman uh, so I actually been lifting weights uh, seven years and I started getting into um, heavy lifting about two years ago when COVID hit I had, um, I had, I made my own little gym at home and I started, um, I just took a chance and joined an online, online competition because nothing, like I said, COVID happened. So they had a lot of online comps and it just took off from there. And I, I placed in almost every single competition I've been in. I've always placed top three and, um, Within this past year, I, I, um, with all the shows that I've done, I've, I've, I've grown more knowledge of the sport, um, more smarter in my weights and my lifting, and I am a, I am a heavy weight lifter, so I'm, I'm with the big girls. I'm six one, two hundred and fifty pounds, so I, I lift like the heavies, like we're deadlifting anywhere from three hundred plus pounds. You know what I mean? For reps or we're lifting 200 plus pounds for um, presses. So I actually have a national, a Canadian national record for axle press. I got in my amateur last year, this past year. So I'm kind of proud of that. And um, like I said, I've been just taking off. I've been winning almost every single event, every single competition that I've entered and I, um, how I got into nationals is you have to place first in a lot of your, um, provincial qualifications, I guess, provincial comps. So I actually did two this past year and I placed first in, in each and I got my national invite and yeah, I went to nationals and I'm the first indigenous Cree woman to get my pro card. So my pro card allows me to compete international um, and represent Canada with uh, with that pro card. Well, Angela, congratulations on all of this success and and the pro card. Uh, this just sounds absolutely amazing. Uh, some of the weights that you're describing, and uh, you mentioned the axle press, and I saw a picture of you online, and, and you were deadlifting uh, a barbell with two giant truck tires. On either side, was like are they filled with 
cement or something like that. And tell us more about some of these specific lifts and, and these competitions that you uh, that you perform. Oh, it's all different. Every strongman, that's the beauty of strongman. That's the beauty why I fell in love with it, because not every strongman is the same. Every competition is different. And every competition has different, um, like, weights we lift. So, like I said, we are, I am in the heavy heavyweight women. So we lift from any we can bend, uh, deadlift anywhere from 350 to 390, 390 for reps, and we only get like 60 minutes, 60 seconds to do as many reps as we can, and that's the beauty of it. Like you're you're mentally pushing yourself for the next rep. You know what I mean? And it's it's a lot of dedication and a lot of um, time spent in the gym to prepare for comp days. And um, not to mention, like, I'm a mom, you know, like I have four kids. I'm married and I have a full-time job. Plus I go to school on the side. So how I do it, I just make it happen because I, you know, like once upon a time I was that little girl looking at TV, watching TV, watching all these men pushing big, lifting heavy, big stones. And I'm like, how come there's no women? I want to see more women. I'm, when is the women going to come on? And so that was my aim when I first started. I want to push for um, more women to get involved in strength sports. And Angela, I'm going to work hard to, to do it. And were you an athlete before you got into to weightlifting and strength competition seven years ago? Oh yeah, I was I was all time athlete. I tried everything. I tried everything. Like I said, I'm six one, and back then I was probably 195 pounds. So you know, coming into strongman, I gained 150, <laughs> about 100 pounds more, but. You know, like I played volleyball, I played baseball, I played soccer, I played, okay. like I, I even did CrossFit, you know, so uh -huh. I always chased something. I was always athletic. Angela, I'm, I'm curious something. to, yeah, I mean, you're just a remarkable person and an athlete. And I'm curious about, about your husband. Is he a weightlifter as well? Is, is he about your same size? No. <laughs> no, my husband. No, he he. My husband is um. He's about an inch smaller than me. <laughs> okay. And um, he can you just, outlift him? My, That's what we want to know. Can you outlift uh, your husband? Well, let's just say I don't have weights at home. I I just uh, pick him up and carry him around. The house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm thinking he must be a, a really confident man. To he must, he must well, be very very confident. He, he supports me and that's all I need. He He's one of my biggest supporters and um, I need that, you know, because a lot of times I'm not home when I'm competing or when I'm, com when I'm preparing for comps, I don't see my children for three months. You know what I mean? Like I'm home every night. I just, um, my life is so busy, you know, it's work, cook, gym, sleep. That's my routine for three months. And, and yeah, no, yeah, this sorry, is, I, I just, I want to interject just quickly. There, there's a competition, it's it's called the Arnold's. Could you tell us more what the Arnold's is? Oh, yes. I, I'm excited to be heading to Arnold's in March. I always say the Arnold's is like, um, it's like the Olympics for strength sports. <laughs> is it connected to like Arnold Schwarzenegger it, at all? 
Yeah, it's the Arnold Schwarzenegger show. Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm the first Indigenous to compete on that stage because there's a lot of Indigenous women in the U.S. and all over the world that come for that. But I do know I am the first Canadian Indigenous to compete on that stage. So it's, it's exciting. I'm excited to get there. I'm excited to be there. And I'm excited that I got my invite. And I'm going to work really hard. And I'm going to... I'm going to do my best, the best I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't, I, I don't doubt it for sure. This is just a, a really fascinating story to learn more about your, your competition, your success, uh, some of these records that you've already set. And, um, we've got a lot more to talk about on this show. We have two other strength athletes, indigenous women who are strength athletes on our show. And, and we're going to learn all about, what makes them tick, what inspires them, what draws them to these competitions to, to be stronger, to be more powerful. Um, a very inspiring, uplifting show today, all geared around empowerment. And in this case, uh, our guests are all athletes, some sort of a strength athlete. There's powerlifting, there's weightlifting, and then there's some of these other types of um, competitions that measure strength and power. And we're going to learn all about them today. Um, it's going to be a really, really fun, interesting conversation. And folks, if you want to get in on our show today, if you're a weightlifter yourself, or if you're kind of a weekend warrior who hits the gym every so often like myself and does a little bit of lifting here and there, but certainly nothing uh, worthy of competition, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 1-800-996-2848. The number again, 1-800-996-2848. We're going to have to take a short break, but when we come back, we're going to chat with Zoe Raymond. She's a power lifter down in Australia. Law enforcement officials in New Mexico are working collaboratively with each other and with advocacy organizations to try and solve past cases of missing indigenous people. They also want to address the problem that disproportionately affects indigenous people. We'll learn about their efforts on the next Native America Calling. This Native American Heritage Month, remember, one in three Native American adults have high blood pressure. Check it at your nearest community health center. If the numbers are above 120 over 80, talk to a health care professional. Native community well-being is very important. You can take action by visiting heart.org slash hbpcontrol. This support provided in partnership with HHS slash OMH and HRSA under cooperative agreements CPIMP 2112-27 and CPIMP 2112-28. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're speaking with indigenous women who are competitive weightlifters. If you want to join the conversation, you can do so by calling 1-800-996-2848 or just 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's head south now, way south down to Queensland, Australia, where we have Zoe Raymond, an Aboriginal artist and powerlifter. Zoe, tell us, what got you into powerlifting? Hi, um, so that's a good question. Um, I don't think I have the happiest story about my beginnings in strength training. 
Um, back when I was about 21, I had just left an abusive relationship and um, I felt like I had all of this kind of internal anger that I needed to let out. So I found my way to a local gym. And one day when I was there, I saw these two guys who were deadlifting and I thought what they were doing looked really awesome. I thought it looked fun and empowering. Um, and I just so happened to be working with a junior powerlifter at the time. Um, and I begged him for months to show me how to deadlift and squat properly. And he finally did. And from there, I self-taught myself for a while. And then I eventually found myself a coach. I entered a novice competition. And as soon as I did that, uh, it was end game. I was addicted and I've been competing ever since. So it's been about seven plus years now. Seven plus years. So about the same amount of time that Angela's uh, been competing and training. And so if I'm not mistaken, uh, powerlifting consists of, of three lifts. There's the deadlift, there's the squat, and there's the bench press. What's, what's your best lift? My best lift is the squat. <laughs> okay, the squat. So, and then is it when you compete, is it they just, you, you compete in all three lifts and then they just take a, a total of all those scores together? Is that how you win? Yeah, so um, you're also separated into weight classes as well. Um, and obviously uh, the people in your weight class, whoever has that best total of your um, best three attempts, then um, they are the winner in that weight class. Now we were chatting a little bit before the show. You're in the 75 kilo, under 75 kilo weight class, which uh, is is about 165 pounds. And, and how tall are you again, Zoe? I'm five foot one. <laughs> five Quite foot short. one. Okay, 165 pounds. So, um, in your best squat is um, like right around like in the 400 range, is it or? Uh, not quite. I did some conversions before I logged in today. So, um, cause we do kilos over here. Uh, but my best squat is about 374 pounds. Wow. Wow. So <laughs> just a lot more than your body weight. And, uh, yes. that's just, yeah, I mean, that's just a, a lot of strength, a lot of power. And, um, mm -hmm. another thing I think is really cool. I, I noticed that it, you, you folks, you'll wear a weightlifting belt, those thick, heavy belts around the middle to secure your yeah. back and everything. And, and you've actually put some artwork on that. I have. Um, many years ago, I did some traditional Aboriginal art on my belt. And since I've also painted one of my soft suit um, or singlets that I wear in competition, um, I, I love to bring in my my Aboriginal culture and everything that I do. So I thought it was a great way to to wear my art and my culture while I competed. Well, tell us about your family and your friends. Are they supportive of your career? Oh, very, very much so. Um, it's, it's a huge part of my life. Um, everyone's super proud of me of where I've taken my, my powerlifting, my Aboriginal art. Um, I've just recently started full time as an Aboriginal artist as well, which is a dream of mine. Um, and it also allows me to have more time for, for training in the gym as well. Um, but my, my family has, has been there from my very first competition um, and my friends are always, you know, logging in online if, if they're not around or, or showing up to the actual competition. Um, it's definitely one of the greatest things that's happened in my life. And if anything, it's just made me a better person in and out as well. About how much time uh, every day are you in the gym training? So I train four days a week. Um, I think 
rest is very important in strength training. Um, if you were to train every day with heavy weights, then you're going to be fatigued and not progress. So um, look, it, it depends how, how much I socialize in the gym. Uh, powerlifters are known to love a chat between their sets. Um, so generally around an hour, but sometimes it can be up to two, depending where I'm at in my preparation, uh, because the, the heavier your weights get and the closer you get to a competition, you're going to be more fatigued and need a bit more rest time between those sets. Well, tell us a little bit about your mindset going into a competition. And then once you're there and you're on that stage and there's a crowd and there are judges and there are other competitors and what, what does that feel like to just be out there competing and representing like that? So firstly, even after seven years of competing, it never gets any less nerve wracking. Um, I still show up to a competition feeling so nauseous and nervous. Um, but a lot of that comes down to knowing that you've spent, you know, six plus months preparing for, you know, a total of nine minutes through the day where you can put your best effort into these lifts. Um, but as I said, squats are my favorite and they are the first lift that we attempt. So as soon as I get my first squat out of the way, I'm on top of the world and the rest of the day is, is the best. And it's just fun from there. <laughs> and then, so you do the <laughs> squat and then is the bench press next or is the deadlift next? Yes. So bench presses after that and then your deadlift. And then I, I also read Zoe that you actually um unfortunately there was an uh, an Australian lifting league and, and you boycotted one of the events because of some remarks that were made can you share what happened yeah so um sadly i believe it was last year um sorry time has gotten away from me but um i was with a federation for about 5 years and um the president at the time, he put up a, a Facebook post and I'm sure he didn't intend for it to come across as, as racist. Um, but even though we had Indigenous athletes pointing out that it wasn't coming across in a, in a nice way, he continued to let it happen. Uh, racist comments started forming in, in the comment section. Um, and it, it stayed up for days after we pointed this out and it was just kind of like a last straw for us. Um, he, he liked to use his social media platform to express opinions that maybe shouldn't have been expressed publicly. Um, and after five years in that federation, I decided it was time to step down. Um, it no longer felt comfortable and safe for me as an Indigenous powerlifter particularly um, as we've been talking about, we don't take up a large population of the athletes in this sport. Mm. Well, that's really unfortunate to hear that. And mm -hmm. uh, were you, your other competitors, were they supportive of, of your decision? Oh, absolutely. I got nothing but love from um, other competitors, whether they're Indigenous or not. Um, in fact, the um, secretary of that federation called me for a chat um, and some other people within that federation to get my view of why it was offensive and hurtful and why I was stepping down. Um, they completely understood why I did. And, um, I'm, I'm pleased to say that the president did stand down. Um, the new president is someone I've known since my very first competition. He's a great guy. There's been some amazing changes in that federation, 
Um, but I did choose to step over to Australian Powerlifting League now, where I've been for a couple of years. Um, and it's much more supportive and inclusive. Um, and it, it just feels uh, much better for someone like myself to be in this federation than I am now. Yeah, that's good to know. And, and Zoe, I understand uh, not too long ago you visited the States. I did. Um, I was over in Dallas, Texas, um, end of September for a couple of weeks. And I actually was in Oklahoma for a couple of days for a strongman competition while I was um, visiting my friends. And it was the first strongman comp I've seen in person. And I was blown away. So as a strength athlete, I'm constantly in awe of other strength athletes, but I was watching these, these women and they just completely blew me away in, in the lifts that they were doing the implements they were using. Um, so I certainly came back home after my trip and had more of a fire in my belly uh, watching these women. It was just incredible. Now, Zoe, for our listeners that might not be as familiar with strength competitions as you and our other guests, what we see in the Olympics, Olympic-style lifting, uh, like the clean and jerk and, and the snatch, that's, that's not in any – those are not power lifts, right? You don't do those types of lifts, what we see during the Olympic Games. No. So powerlifting is strictly your squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, strongman does incorporate some movements, like you've got your clean and jerk and, you know, axle press and stuff. You've got to clean weights to put above your head. Um, in powerlifting, we might incorporate some similar moves um, in order to uh, assist us in our compound lifts there. But um, completely different. Uh, powerlifting isn't in the Olympics. I <laughs> have family members all the time wondering when I'm going to go to the Olympics, but it's not my sport. Um, but once again, I'm very impressed by Olympic weightlifters who can lift the weight that I do, but above their head. It's a very impressive sport. Now, are there other Aboriginal strength athletes that, that you're friends with and that you uh, train with and, and hang out with? Um, so there certainly are a lot, like a few other Indigenous powerlifters um, to my knowledge, there's not a lot of us, particularly women, um, and a lot of them are in different parts of the country as well. So me personally, I don't actually have any other Indigenous powerlifters that I train with. Um, I think there's a couple in my area, but yeah, it's definitely a sport that I would love to see more Indigenous participation here in Australia. Um, but sadly, no, it's a uh, it's very heavily dominated by non-Indigenous people over here. Zoe Raymond, she is an Aboriginal artist and power lifter, speaking with us from Queensland, Australia. If you'd like to comment, if you'd like to give a shout out to either Angela or Zoe or Monica or other guests on the show, what are you waiting for? 1-800-996-2848. Or just tell us about uh, your training. If you're a weightlifter, if you've ever done any competition like that, we'd love to hear from any of our listeners today uh, who can add to this conversation. And let's now go back to our third guest today, Monica Chaffin. Again, she is a hospice nurse, a power lifter, and a TikTok extraordinaire. Monica, um, it's great to have you on the show as well. And um, what got you into power lifting? Hi, thank you for having me. Um, that TikTok extraordinaire still kills me. <laughs> so <laughs> sort of the same thing with um, Zoe. So 
initially I um, wanted to lose weight. I wasn't happy with how my body looked. And so I was trying different types of gyms. I tried like a kickboxing gym and eventually found this sort of strength training gym. And one day they were testing their deadlift maxes and they were like, they invited me to like, just try it out. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever, I'll, I'll try it out. And so we were testing our deadlift max and like everybody was sort of topping out at about around 200 pounds. And I just kept going up and I'm like, well, when is this going to get heavy? Or like, when are we going to, and they're like, well, it is kind of heavy right now. Like, have you ever, have you ever done this before? And I'm like, no, but I, I like it. It's fun. And so I just sort of continued doing that. And after a while, and it was like the most amazing thing. I, after a while, I was more focused on my strength and, and being stronger that I eventually just stopped worrying about losing weight or worrying about how my body looked. And now like I'm able to appreciate more like the strength my body has rather than how it looks. And, you know, it was just, an incredibly liberating thing. Well, it sounds like you're just a total natural then. You just grab these weights and everybody's freaking out. You just look like, these are light. What are you guys talking about? This is easy. And you're just lifting and lifting. And well, well, tell us some more about some of the competitions you've been in. So I do sort of the same competitions that Zoe does. I've been doing powerlifting for about seven years as well. That sounds like the magic number here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, I feel like I, I relate to these women a lot too, because like Angela, I, I did a little bit of a strongman competitions as well. And so I had a lot of fun doing those. I uh, did some competitions in Florida and California and Texas, and those were a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I've just been doing powerlifting. I've been taking it more seriously in the past couple of years. Uh, I've been working with uh, one trainer, Melton, at my home gym, Iron Soul in Albuquerque. Um, and so, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna, um, oh, I thought you were gonna say something. <laughs> no, no, go ahead, please <laughs> continue. Oh, yeah. And so I was, um, I hadn't done any competitions this year, I think since the summer. Um, but I am gearing up to possibly compete next year in April. Okay. So more competition coming up and Monica, you know, we earlier we were talking with Zoe and she paint or does designs on her weightlifting belt. And, and one thing I've seen that you do that's super cool is you actually lift wearing uh, traditional clothing. Tell us more about that. Yes. Um, so I do like to lift wearing like my skirts and moccasins. I'm trying to work on the moccasins more because they don't, they don't give a lot of ankle stability. I'd like a little more ankle stability with those, but eventually I would because I actually had a conversation with somebody about this a couple of days ago because they were wondering, like, why, why do you wear these things? And I'm like, uh, simply put, it's sort of, you know, as a way to pay homage to um, my culture, my strength, being proud of who I am. Because, you know, in the past, we were always told to, like, hide ourselves, make ourselves smaller, you know, don't be so, don't be so proud. And, you know, now I feel like we're, we're all coming into our own power and we're owning it that way. And so, you know, there's nothing in the official rule book saying, you know, you can't wear traditional regalia. Um, 
and I also like to support my friends who make um, these amazing earrings. And that's also something I haven't seen not permitted in the official rule book as well. Um, I just feel, you know, I just feel like incredibly more powerful and more backed by like ancestral powers when I'm wearing these things. Like, you know, they're sort of looking at me like, yes, we see you and we're here with you. Absolutely. And if there's nothing in the rule books that says you can't do it, why not? Wear your, your regalia. And, uh, Monica, you know, talking about you know the, the moccasins and, and not necessarily having the right support, maybe there's a market out there for like somebody to come up with like sport mocks. You just made me think of this, like <laughs> mocks that have like the right <laughs> ankle support, right? The right arch support. People can work out, run, lift weights and things like that. There could be like a whole new native thing going with with people doing like sport mocks. I could totally see it. And I could see you as like the poster person for it. Maybe that you'd be doing the ads and stuff like that with your regalia and lifting. So folks, if you want to get get in on this conversation, if you'd like to call and, and talk to Monica or talk to Zoe or talk to Angela, any of our guests today talking about strength athletes, indigenous women who are setting trends as strength athletes, give us a call 1-800-996-2848. Once again, that number, 1-800-996-2848. Stay with us. we got one more break, and then we'll be back with more conversations with our athletes. And you're long enough to see healthcare coverage through CMS to an Ulupak. Nakulua Health protected all year long. Contact your local Indian healthcare provider for more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596, Unakai Luni Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce, and we're speaking with Indigenous women who are making their presence known in the world of weightlifting and strength competition. And there's still time to join our conversation. You can call us at 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-996-2848. Please share your thoughts. Weightlifting, strength competition, indigenous women, our guests on the show today. And Monica Chafin is in Gallup, New Mexico. She's a power lifter. And Monica, you're also a hospice nurse. And earlier speaking with Zoe and Angela and just balancing all these priorities, how do you do it? How do you manage your career and, and your athletics and everything else? Well, just like uh, Zoe and Angela said, you know, it's something that you sort of work, work into your, your life. You know, you work your way around it. And I do do a lot of traveling with, with my job, but, you know, at the end of the day, I always have to make time for it because it's not really the gym to me anymore. It's sort of like a space for my mental health, for my physical wellness as well. Um, and I love meeting new people at the gyms that I go to, the different gyms that I go to. I've been trying out different gyms just, you know, because I'm not always able to make it out to Albuquerque. So you just sort of set your priorities and I know sometimes you sort of think like oh I don't feel like going and you know that's always that's always okay as well like one one day or one week miss is not going to is not going to sabotage the work that you put in now when you first when you meet somebody new and you first tell them that you are a power lifter competitive power lifter what's their initial reaction 
how do I get into it? How do I do that too? Because it looks fun. And, you know, I'm, I'm always excited when I get people like that. And, you know, I like to point them out to, um, you know, resources and stuff. And I've actually recently started looking into becoming like a strength coach myself, because in the end, you know, when I am not competitive, competitively lifting anymore, I'd like to sort of be a resource for people um, to help them get stronger, because I, I love when I show somebody something or sort of help them with their technique and they're able to do it. And then just this look over their face, this look of accomplishment, this sense of accomplishment is, is like, it's no other. It's, it's very, it's a very rewarding thing for both of us. Monica, I'm, I'm thinking of younger people and, you know, you, we see kids uh, competing in sports and, and taking up sports at younger and younger, but is there a, a minimum age before a, a young person should get into powerlifting or some of these heavy lifts that we're talking about today? What's your recommendation on that? Uh, I don't have any particular recommendation, but I do see parents bring their kids in and of course you know you don't want to have them go lift heavy but the one of the most important things before you do lift heavy and what I've seen them work on is form form is the most important thing before you get into any of this as I'm sure Angela and Zoe can attest to because without the form sure you could lift five six hundred pounds but you're going to hurt yourself and then you know that'll be the last time you lift five or six hundred pounds um, but with form you're really, truly unstoppable. So get that technique hammered down. And let's bring Angela back in. Angela, you, you have children. Um, do you encourage them to, to lift? Um, yeah, actually, I have a daughter. She's um, eight years old now. And I actually got her into deadlifting um, competitions already. So when I go to the gym, she comes along with me and yeah, she's my workout partner. Teach them young. Get them started young. <laughs> actually, yeah. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Start them young. So, um, actually have, uh, one daughter, three boys. Um, my two oldest, two, two older boys, one is getting into lifting now, but it's not where I am. My levels. Um, he's more of a bodybuilding and, um, yeah, my daughter, like I, I said, I, I always say that I do this for our youth. I open, try open doors for them, you know, like, so teach them young. My daughter, this is her second year um, for her deadlift comps, and she's already at 125 pounds. So, like, like um, form is so important. You know, I, I agree with that, and yeah, I'm excited to see where she's going to go and how far she's going to go, and if she doesn't take up um, strength training, then that's that's totally fine, but I really hope she does. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. And, uh, is she already getting tall like you? Oh, yeah. She, she's, she's going to be, um, she's going to be a big girl. Yeah, she's. Pretty tall, pretty solid chick. We're uh, very big. We're very big boned in northern Alberta. <laughs> pretty we're very big, big pretty women. Solid, solid chick, as you describe it. Yeah, and um... we uh, my friends always uh, tell me I'm solid like a moose. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> I grew up in a bush, you know, so that's where I learned a lot of my, um, I used to, where we come from a hunting family. Mm-hmm. So I developed uh, my strength right from small too, you know, like I had to carry out hindquarters and live off the land, chop wood every day. So yeah, my girl is definitely in there too. Well, er- earlier I-, I joked around, you, your, your husband must be a really confident man, but listening to you talk more and tell us about your daughter and um, this just sounds uh, empowering. And uh, as you know, we, you know, we, we have issues in many of our communities with, with our Native women, our Indigenous women who um, are taken advantage of, who are abused. And um, what's your thought, Angela, in terms of weightlifting and, and building your body in this way as a way to, to safeguard against risks like that, that so many, unfortunately, so many Indigenous women face? Well, um I advocate for um, and murdered and missing Indigenous women. So when I actually got my pro card, I wore um, my the red handprint over my face, and unfortunately, that's it's it's uh it's so common where we are. You know, um, I always tell my daughter like, you can't just you can't just talk to anybody here. You can't just go with anybody. It's sad because that's that's our reality we live in now it's our women are going are missing left and right you know and it's um I was always a big girl right from the start and I never let anybody push me around if you were to see me you a lot of guys let's just put it this way a lot of men find me very intimidating I'll bet I'll bet my size doesn't surprise me because of what I do and a lot of times I'm so um like I don't really like telling people what I do now because it's like oh can you pick me up oh can you throw me around like oh can can I take a picture can you lift me up you know (laughs) like I get that all the time Mm. so when my daughter sees that she's like mom I can't believe people are actually asking you to lift them and like yeah I get it all the time and she's like I don't know mom she said it's just it's very emotional when I talk about it because it's um it's it's something hard it's a hard pill to swallow when we have to see our our women um I I don't know I don't know have the words for that Mm -hmm. to see our women um try be the bigger person I don't I don't know I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong but to me, it's like I do what I do to um, protect myself, protect my family, protect my kids, because we just don't know our uh, our tomorrows. With with um, especially living on the res, you know, especially living in a in a world where racism is so is so strong, you know, right. even our little our little towns we live in, it's like you know what town to go to and what town not to go to because it's so racist. You know, it's it's awful. And for our kids to grow up in that and for that to be our normal, no, I, I don't I'm pushing hard for those to break to break those boundaries, you know. We're always uh considered underdogs. Well I, I was when I got into strongman, I was considered an underdog, you know, because just because of my skin color. And I had to work twice as hard to to overcome those, you know, to show. And it's like I had to show, prove my worth for mm-hmm. people to like, 
wow, okay, she means business. Okay, she's good, you know? And damn right, I'm going to work hard. Yeah, yeah. And it's wonderful that you found this outlet and and that you're sharing it and that you're encouraging other people to to follow uh, in this journey that that you found for yourself. And uh, empowerment is, you know, really underscores what what we're talking about today. And I want to ask Zoe as well. Zoe, do you consider yourself a role model to other in indigenous people, and especially again, thinking of the youth and and the challenges that so many of our young people face today, and and this is a whole nother way for for indigenous women to express themselves and to empower. I I absolutely do. Um, unfortunately, it took me some years to figure that out, but um, you know, I've faced every obstacle you could imagine as not just a human being, but an indigenous person as well. Um, I, like I said previously, I was in an abusive relationship. Um, I've experienced all the health issues that come with being an Indigenous person. Um, I've got endometriosis, I've got PCOS, um, mental health struggles, you know, I've got all these barriers and I got to a point in my life where I didn't want to lay down anymore and just take that as my life. So when I found powerlifting, it not just it didn't just change me physically it also completely changed my mental outlook on on life itself and i feel so empowered and it's interesting having this conversation around being intimidating um i i am only 5 foot 1 but i i get the same thing particularly from men um you obviously can't see me but i'm also quite heavily tattooed so um a lot of people look at me and see me lifting heavy and um, I'm covered in tattoos, so I think I come across as quite scary to some people, but um, I'm actually just a really nice person. Um, but I have worked my whole life to this point to be a role model in the Indigenous community here. And um, my last two professional roles were working in Indigenous recruitment, helping um, local Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people get into employment. Um, we have the same issues with uh, Indigenous women going missing, um, being in domestic violence relationships, not being able to find work and and just feeling like they have no other option but to to live that kind of life. And I like to think that being how I am now, that other Indigenous women can look at me and see that they can have a great life, an empowering life and and what the sport of powerlifting can do to make you feel that inside and out. Zoe, where can our listeners go to learn more about your career and to follow you? Absolutely. So um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on on TikTok. If you just search Zoe Raymond, um, I'm sure you will find me. Um, I also have a link to my art pages from there as well. Um, But yeah, I think Zoe underscore Raymond is what I am on Instagram. And I think it might be the same on TikTok as well. And Angela, how about you? Where can we follow? Actually, I'm on TikTok too, and I'm just figuring out TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my t- I, actually, I go by the name of Deadly Auntie on TikTok, or Strong Auntie, Strong Deadly Auntie. Auntie. Okay. But okay. my comp, my comp uh, name is Deadly Auntie. Everybody knows me in Canada by Deadly Auntie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
already. Well, I'm old. Like I feel so old in this game. You know, like I'm like I said, I'm 40 in this game. So why not have auntie? <laughs> yeah, no, it works. It works. Monica, how it about works. you? TikTok extraordinaire. Where can we follow you? Can I just quickly say I love that, and I want to say that, you know, strength doesn't know age. Strength doesn't know size because, like, as you've noted, Angela is 6'1". Zoe is 5'1". I'm 4'11". So we, we sort of run the gamut in size. So, you know, it doesn't matter what your size is. You could still be strong. Uh, I am on Instagram um, as Rekha Still. It's a, it's a Prince nod. I love Prince. And then on TikTok, I am... Um, at Asystole, A-S-Y-S-T-O-L underscore. It's it's medical term. It's sort of like I was almost dead, but I'm not. Okay. Appreciate that. And um, Monica, anything else you want to share uh, before we have to wrap up the show? Anything you have coming up? Any additional competitions or anything uh, sports-related? Just the upcoming competition in April. And where's that going to be? um, I believe it's going to be in Albuquerque. I haven't got that many details. And it's, um, I think it's being hosted by um, Iron Soul Baddies. So that's a group of women at our gym who sort of banded together to sort of compete and uplift each other. It's it's really, um, it's, it's really such an amazing thing. And I'm so happy and proud to be a part of that collective. So if you're in Albuquerque or New Mexico around April, please come out, support, compete. Well, that's Monica Chafin, and she is a power lifter and a hospice nurse. Uh, Also on our show today, we have Zoe Raymond, who is an Aboriginal artist and power lifter, and she joined us from Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. And our third guest, uh, Angela Hool, a.k.a. Deadly Auntie. I just love that hashtag, that sign there. Uh, She's up in Alberta, Canada, a professional strong woman, a member of the Whitefish Lake First Nation. Folks, this has been a really enlightening show, and I hope you have enjoyed it. Unfortunately, we have reached the end of the hour. But let me thank our three guests again, Angela, Zoe, and Monica, for an inspiring conversation with Indigenous women weightlifters and strength athletes. Join us tomorrow as we talk about one approach to addressing the disparities with missing and murdered Indigenous people. Thank you for listening. I'm Sean Spruce. The Indian Arts and Crafts Act protects authentic American Indian and Alaska Native artists and craftspeople and their art and craftwork. Under the act, it is illegal to market art or craftwork misrepresented as American Indian, Indian, Native American, or Alaska Native made, or as the product of a particular Indian tribe. Reporting potential act violations can be done at doi.gov IACB or at 1-888-ART-FAKE. Support provided by Indian Arts and Crafts Board. No long enough to see health care coverage through CMS to an Ulubuk. Nakulua Health protected all year long. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information, visit healthcare.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. Unakai Luni Center for Medicare and Medicaid Service.
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.